Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Glad you came ready. Uh, It's a little quiet in here, but in the spirit, I feel it. Don't you? Hey, all right. Well, um, last week we started a brand new series called Reigning in Life. And uh, really, that's God's dream in Christ that you reign in life. And uh, there's a a key verse that's built around we'll get to next week. But it's going to be really, really good this morning. But hopefully, you guys, if you were here last week... Um, I gave a little homework. There was a little card that, uh, a little like a little declaration card, uh, just to kind of read right before you, right before you kind of put your feet down and uh, get your day started. How many of you uh, got about four out of seven? If you were here, got four out of seven mornings on that. Hey, hey, about half. That was strong. That's strong. I'll give you guys credit. Other half, I won't give you too much a hard time Sunday morning. Praise God. Anyway, uh, how did it go? There's something, there's something about setting the tone to your day, about God, I die to myself, I'm alive in you, I'm seated in Christ, help me to live in that position. And uh, really, that's what we were uh, dialoguing about last week, that in Christ, not only does he rescue and redeem you, uh, but he transfers you out of the kingdom of darkness, and he places you under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God, that you were now, you, you were... You used to be under the prince of darkness, who's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of this world, but, he's been, but you've been brought into the kingdom of his dear son. And in that, you flip, you change jurisdictions. When once Satan had jurisdictional authority over your life, you are now under God's jurisdictional authority. And, and uh, Paul said in Ephesians 2, it says, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And really, that's for the, the, the charge and the life of a believer, life of a disciple of Jesus, is that you live out of that new position that you have in Christ. God not only cleans us up, he adopts us into his family but you're seated with him. You're not the same anymore. If you're in Christ, he seated you with him, carrying the implication that Christ shares his authority and his power with you, his son, his daughter, seated with him. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the scripture declares, lives inside of you. And this is one of the key aspects to the reality of the Christian life, that the enemy keeps lying and deceiving mankind for them to walk in this. And it's God's redeemed, empowered sons and daughters of God who are faithful to Him. They are the ones equipped to disempower the enemy's schemes. And really, that's, that's been kind of a, a little burden, I think, on, on our hearts here at City Life is feeling like it, are God's people equipped for the spiritual battle that they are already in? If you, haven't, if you haven't sensed that this battle, this life that you're living in is a spiritual one, 
It's not just a power struggle. It is a spiritual battle between God and dark forces, fallen angels. And God wants to open your eyes to this cosmic story that you're living in and how authoritative His Spirit is in your life and how powerful God's weapons are. And so we're going we're gonna to dive in. In that new position, God gives you powerful weapons. And we're going to dive into your most powerful weapon that you have. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we all sense that we're in this battle. God, when we leave this, these four walls, God, we, we walk into, we sense it, we live in it every day. And Father, I pray that those of us here that are your sons and daughters, that you would train and equip us to be your agents, your ambassadors, your representatives in this generation. God, we're, we're not playing around with your word. We, we don't feel like we have authority to change it. God, we are here to proclaim it. And so, Father, train and equip us to be your people in this generation, in our culture, in this city, in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our families, and in our life. God, equip us as your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, one of my favorite books, we're just going to dive in. There's, there's a lot of juice in here, all right? This is called Meaty Bread. You know, this is like Meaty Bread. Uh, we're, we're not going to dance around too much because there's just a lot, to, a lot to, uh, to lay out. So one of my favorite books in all of the Bible is Ephesians. And Paul is, wrote this book to help God's people see all that God had done for them in Christ and how that should shape their lives. And in the first half of of the epistle, he paints a breathtaking panorama of how magnificent the church is as God's people, being blessed beyond measure, made alive, formed into a new humanity to be God's dwelling place of his spirit on earth. The second half is Paul calls the church to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, walk in a manner worthy of this magnificent identity that we've been given to take up our position in Christ, seated with Him, and to live in that life, live out that life as God has redeemed you for you to live, equipped with God's armor. And at the end of this magnificent book, I love this picture that Paul, rep Paul paints with his words of the battle that you and I are in. It's a very common scripture if you've been around church, but I want us to see a little something from it. So, Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is how he lands this great letter to the church of, of Ephesus. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he's already given you. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So now that's, that's the landscape. That's what y'all born into. Y'all can kind of sense it almost every day. Therefore, he says, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing, still be standing firm. So stand your ground putting on the 
belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, his accusations, his schemes, that shield of faith to block those arrows. And then verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. All right. So in this spiritual battle that you've been born into, God gives his people armor. Now, in this whole list, there's defensive pieces. There's defensive pieces of the belt of truth, the body armor of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation. Those are all for your protection in this spiritual war that we are living in. There's one offensive weapon. Just one. It says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Which is the Word of God. There's only one offensive weapon that God gives you and I to fight the spiritual battle that we are in, and it's God's eternal, living, and active Word that He gives us. In Hebrews 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active. It's alive and powerful. It's sharper than any, the, the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our most innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. He is the one to whom we're accountable. So this word, this powerful, living, active word, I... I wonder if we've been captured enough by this word, captivated by it. If you were to kind of give on a given week, are you more captivated by God's word? Who? Who? Or are you more captivated by your phone? I take that on myself. It's like we've lost being captivated by God's eternal word. And it's not just theory, it's, and it's not just the reality and the story that we're in. It's not just a nice inspirational phrases that, that like psychologically pad our chaotic life. This is God's living, eternal word. Through his word, he created everything. And through his word, he still creates. God's sacred and divine Logos word this morning, God wants you to see how powerful his word is and that it is your offensive weapon in this spiritual battle that we're in. And I want us to dig into this passage of Scripture. And we, we find right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and a dove came, and the Father spoke, this is my Son with whom I'm fully pleased. And then... In, it jumps right into chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said to him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's Jesus. He's starting his new ministry. He just got 
kind of endorsed by God the Father supernaturally, and right away he goes, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness, leads him into this wilderness where, where everything is kind of stripped. He's fasting. Every, uh, even food, any kind of comfort, he's out in the wilderness. And he's being tempted by the enemy. And this, the first temptation is, hey, he, it's appeal to his physical hunger. Man, I know you're hungry, and I know that you have the power to turn these stones into bread, so why don't you go ahead and do it? But it's almost, it sounds much like Satan's kind of words to Eve. Why does, why does he put you in this terrible wilderness? With a subtle suggestion that God's not meeting your real needs. Ever been whispered to like that? How does Jesus respond? Not by uttering a new command from heaven, but he uses God's already given spoken authoritative word to fight back. He quotes from Deuteronomy 8.3. Moses is rereading the law before they go into the promised land. They're 40 years of wandering. And then Deuteronomy 8.3, he says this. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people need more than bread for their life. Real life comes from feeding on every word of the Lord. So Jesus knew what God had previously done and had spoken. And here's this. Jesus countered the force of the enemy's schemes with the more powerful force of God's word. He knew what God had said in the past. He took the current temptation and he says, you know what? I'm going to appropriate God's word into this fight, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to defeat the enemy. God's word is given for, for it to be lived out in and through our lives, not just to be known. It goes on. Verse 5, it says, the temper, tempter took him now to a whole, the holy city, Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, if, again, challenging his identity, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So, so now this temptation comes not just with, Hey, Jesus, I need you to prove yourself to who you are, but he actually quotes Scripture back to Jesus. He's like, all right, if you're going to use Scripture, I'll quote it back to you. But in, in, the, in, in Satan quoting it back, he twists the entire meaning of Psalm 91, which is where it comes from. Psalm 91 is about uh, uh, the events that befall his servants. There's angelic protection but not for ones that they go out and seek out dangerous, risky, life-taking adventure and thinking that, presuming that God will protect them under those circumstances. And so he replies, Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, Jesus uses God's eternal word to fight this spiritual battle. Lastly, again, the tempter took him to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of, this wor of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Satan kind of now drops the pretense and makes one final desperate effort to corrupt Jesus. He finally reveals his supreme purpose to induce Jesus to bow down and worship him. And by some supernatural accommodation, the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus knows Lucifer is a counterfeiter. He, he offers what seemed to be the same that God was offering, the nations. And his price, Satan's price, is much cheaper. God wants you to prosper, doesn't he? Satan asks. Well, I, I'll give you prosperity a lot sooner and for a lot less. Just bend a little. Give in when it's advantageous. Sure, I'll still rule this place, but, but you can came what you came here. You can get what you came here for. I'll give you the nations if you just bow down. Just bend a knee. It's a mirage. Jesus didn't argue with Satan about who owned the world. They didn't get in kind of a jurisdictional fight. Jesus, but Jesus refused to validate Satan's claim by worshiping him. He merely quotes from Deuteronomy one more time. Jesus knew that he would redeem the world through taking the path of submission to God and by giving his life up on the cross, not by making an alliance or an allegiance with a corrupt and fallen angel. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to procure for humanity the victory that was lost in the garden. This whole wilderness experience was to procure the victory that was lost in the garden. That first temptation, you may eat by changing stones matches you may eat of any tree. You will not strike your foot. You will not surely die. You still, you will have all the kingdoms of this world. You will be like God. Jesus comes and he defeats the enemy on every point that was lost in the garden. And he fights that fight, not with his own utterance, his own proclamation. Hey, I come against you, Satan. It is using God's eternal living word that fights the fight in the spiritual realm. You and I don't have authority in that realm. God's word does. Amen? So at every point, Jesus secures the victory. But also in this epic battle, Jesus shows to his sons and daughters how we are to fight our enemy using God's word. Charles Spurgeon said this of this wilderness experience. He says, Outflash the sword of the Spirit. Our Lord will fight with no other weapon. He could have spoken new revelations, but he chose to say, it is written. George Whitfield says, it is written should be on the heart and on the lips of every Christian. It is written should decide every controversy, settle every doubt, and overcome every difficulty. Wow. It is written. Fighting your spiritual fight with God's word, not your emotions. Not your convictions. I think this is true. But fighting the spiritual fight with God's word. Isaiah 55, 11 says, It is the same with my word, God says. I send it out, 
it always produces fruit. You know the Greek, the, the Greek and the Hebrew for always? Every time. Hey! Anyway, I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Another, I think a New American says, it doesn't return void. Love that phrase. Man, every time God's word is uttered out into the, I don't want to get new agey, but just the atmosphere, out into the reality, it affects change. Fighting with God's word comes from knowing God's word. If we're not getting any intake, there's probably not much growth. It's that simple. If, if your spiritual life is anemic, the first question to ask is, well, how much am I actually reading this? How much am I actually getting this in my soul, in my mind, that I'm meditating on it? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to read the whole thing. Just grab some morsels, grab some nuggets, and chew on those bad boys all day. Learning how to fight with God's Word. Training with it daily. Begin to use it daily. So if you're feeling down, you're feeling down, man, wield God's sword right at that thing. Man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Woo! Joy of the Lord. That's not my joy is my strength. It's God's joy over your life. That gives you strength. How about... Uh, his mercies renewed every day. Man, if I'm feeling down, man, his mercies renewed every day. This isn't the same day as yesterday. This is a brand new day. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. It's this, it's this scripture that comes from Philippians. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. It's a declaration. It re- irregardless of how I'm feeling, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to tell my soul. There's a lot in the Psalms where David is speaking to his soul. I speak to you, soul, because that soul wants a little comfort, a little make it easy, just kind of don't go too hard. No, I'm going to speak to that soul. Get in line. How about facing temptation? Come on, no one will know. No one will know. How about Job 31? He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Make a covenant with my eyes. He says, does he not see my ways and count every step? Whew! Man, that, that, that little cloud of temptation a lot of times can just come right off. Does he not see every step? I'm not alone here. Hey, no one will see. Well, my king is, I'm in Christ. I'm seated with Christ. There's nothing private or hidden. I'm fooling myself. How about work? You struggling through the routine and monotony? Ooh, that might be a hard battle. Hey, whatever I do, I'll work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from uh, the Lord I will receive an inheritance from God as I serve Christ. Ooh, whatever I do, I'll work heartily. Yeah, that because that serves and honors God. I'll do my job in excellence, even though it's monotonous. I'm going to draw on His strength to do my work in excellence because that's what glorifies Him. How about I commit my work to the Lord? and my plans will be established. Man, I commit my work to the Lord. God, I commit this day to you. When I walk in, all the battles that might be coming my way, I commit to you, and I know that you're going to make my plans established. You're going to establish. Or how about watching the oblivious, you know, person in the carpool lane, and you hear the enemy whisper, 
Would you just look at her? Be ready with that sword. Remind yourself, man, greater love has no one than this, and he who lays down his life for his friends. And man, those issuing God's word in those moments dispels your flesh, dispels the funk, the judgment that you may be having, the lenses by which are now cloudy, but that word just comes in and it just clears it all up. That's the kind of spiritual battle God wants his people engaging in, using his word every day. And this isn't name it and claim it, or blab it and grab it. There's a whole set of churches that are kind of built on this this premise that if I just utter it into the universe, and now this kind of pagan version of it, manifestation. Oh, if I just kind of utter these, utter, put it up on my dream board, I'll utter it three times every day, and the universe will draw its favor in my way. I mean, no, that's not what this is. And I would, I, would, I would submit that you're actually appealing to forces in the second heaven, not the third heaven, that, that you're appealing to fallen forces to come and get what you want. You're making a deal with forces you don't understand. And this is what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians, verse 10. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts. How? We identify it as a lie. That's not true. This is true. It's fighting with his sword. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. It's fighting with our sword. It's the only powerful weapon in the heavenly realm that God has given you. And that's maybe the other thing. I mentioned it earlier. But we do, in this generation, have a unique battle that I don't believe older generations kind of understand. And this battle of tech versus kingdom. And it really can become this ultimate distractor that actually keeps you from ever entering into this kind of life. And it's kind of like, hey, one day, one day, but that news feed can just, like, squirrel you and distract you. Like, squirrel, you know, just distract you away from the very purposes of God. And just the days go by, the weeks go by, the months and the years, and you're like, man, where's this purpose God's talking about? It's right here. You just have to put the other side stuff down and quarantine it. Do you know how many times I take Instagram off my phone a week? Why? Because I have to quarantine it because I understand how it takes over. And so, therefore, I'm not going to let that become my dictator. I'm, you're, you're empowered enough by God to speak to your soul and say, soul, we're not going to live that way. We're going to live as God's sons and daughters. Okay? So the whole tech conversation is a whole other conversation, maybe a whole series. Oh, because AI, praise God. But as God's sons and daughters, in this time that we're living in, don't let tech quarantine tech. Don't let it rob your identity. Don't let it steal your time and affection because it numbs you to the spirit of God. 
It numbs you from being discerning in the spirit. Okay? Praise the Lord. There's my little pastoral pro tip. Praise God. So, let's pick up our sword and train. Now, I have a little handout. It's right over there. I forgot to pass it out. If we could get some ushers. Um, we made up just a little a little uh, confession sheet. It's just God's word. And uh, I call it the little dagger. Instead of the sword of the spirit, you got yourself now a little dagger. All right? Um, but this is just, just a few scriptures kind of placed in kind of a heading. There's, but these are scriptures that you can begin to fight with. These are the scriptures that you can begin to proclaim over your life, pray into, memorize. Like if I were you, that, that's, a, that's a simple half sheet that, dude, it would, it would pay off memorizing that whole sheet. Just memorize it. Get that in your soul. Begin applying it to your life. As you're driving to work, as you're in work and you're kind of doing your stuff, allow God to remind you of his word. And as you begin to not just apply it to your own life, the more you do apply it to your own, it'll begin to spill out over to other people. And God will give you scriptures for other people. It's pretty cool. But this is where this begins, learning how to fight with God's word and learning how to speak his word over your life. Amen? Amen. So, this is a mighty sword in our hands. And I would encourage you, and this is maybe an old school recommendation, and I get it. It's like, hey, old man up there, old man River giving us advice. But I would get a hard copy of a Bible so you can interact and write down and underline and highlight. And there is a disconnect on the phone, I'll just say. I think there is. Uh, so get yourself a hard Bible. If you don't have one, just grab a Bible from the back of the pews and take it and start using it. Amen? But this is a powerful sword, so let's start using it in our own life. Let's start speaking it over one another. Hey, man, God's a God of all encouragement. So, man, is there, if I'm seeing a brother down, hey, God, what's a good scripture? Maybe just from that little dagger. Oh, man, hey, hey, you're a new creation. Man, the old life is gone, the news come. Hey, man, come on, bro. Uh, just start confessing it over our lives. Amen? So, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the power of your word. And I pray that you would lead us and guide us and train and equip us to use your word in this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. Father, thank you just that you've given us your word. And that, God, we can build our whole life in this battle on in your word. And, Father, I pray that you would just take us to a whole new level of fighting in this spiritual war that you've equipped and trained us for, that you've made us for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With that, have a great week fighting. Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.